0: This podcast is part of the Robots Radio Rocket Club, a program designed to help all podcasts reach their full potential. For information about joining the Robots Radio Rocket Club, check out robotsradio.net.
1: Hello, hello, and welcome back to another episode of Two Girls, One Ship, the podcast where we analyze, rate, and review all that the world of video game romances has to offer. I'm Genesis, the girl who has cried every day this week for so many different reasons. And tonight probably won't be any different.
2: Yeah, I mean, I think I know some of the reasons. Hopefully good, some probably not good, but I'm Vervata, taking it in a completely different direction. And I have a question for the people who put together the game awards tell me who the certified freak was that chose the sex scene with the emperor as the background video to play during the orchestra medley for game of the year in the game awards
1: yeah that apparently is the new extended trailer that is being released with the uh new full collection or collector's edition of the game
2: Buy our game. Have sex with illipids. Yeah, I, I don't have any defense for it. I'm just saying that that's what it was. I I loved seeing it personally. I was like, yes, for all to see. Touch yes.
1: the <laughs> Yes. So if you're new here, welcome to the beautiful chaos. But you should know that our podcast centers on character and romance analysis and doesn't shy away from exploring the fun of fucking.
2: Or from the deep emotional connections built between two or more characters, or beasts or tentacles, (laughs) using specific in-game dialogue. So if you want to stay spoiler-free, then this is not the podcast for you.
1: So here's your fucking spoiler alert. Thanks for the spoiler alert, N7! And just like with all of our previous episodes, we'll assume you have some background knowledge of the game and character in question but we'll be providing context for those of you who may be unfamiliar. Also, just as a heads up, today's episode should come with a content warning for substance abuse, PTSD, and other responses to traumatic events.
2: Yeah, it's one of the, one of the dark ones, surprisingly. I guess you wouldn't know just by looking at him. But um, isn't that true for so many things? Today, we're still in Thedas, and like we've said every week, we'll be here a while. Today, we're talking about one of the most popular romance options in all of Skyhold. He's tall. He's blonde. He's hot. He's got a mighty sword with the skills to match. And he's also traumatized. Let's not pretend that doesn't immediately attract all you DIYers like myself. Some of us want to fix him. Some of us want to give him the space to heal. And unlike most real men, (laughs) he will let you. He wants to change. Ah, it's a beautiful thing. He is, of course, Cullen Rutherford, ex-Templar and commander of the Inquisition soldiers in Dragon Age Inquisition.
3: The commander of the Inquisition and the Herald of Andraste. That will have people talking. (sighs) You wouldn't believe how quickly gossip spreads through the barracks.
1: Cullen Rutherford was born in a small Ferelden village called Honoleth, somewhere around 911 Dragon, making him about 30 years old during the events of Dragon Age Inquisition. Cullen was the second eldest child with an elder sister Mia and a younger brother named Branson and his baby sister Rosalie. He was also one of those kids that just knew what they wanted to be when they grew up right off the bat. When he was eight years old, he announced to his family that he would become a Templar. And that's exactly what he did. He just knew. He started visiting his local chantry and pestered the few Templars there to teach him anything they could. And well, they did. I think that's
2: adorable. Just imagining little baby Cullen.
1: I'm a Templar!
2: (laughs) (laughs) Knowing that he wanted to help people is something integral to Cullen's character. His very essence. While the Templars at Honleith? Honleith? Some place in Fereldon. I don't know. Okay, at the Chantry there, the Templars were just playfully showing him the ropes. But Cullen was taking it seriously. When he was 13 a Templar night captain visited his village and noticed baby Cullen's devotion to his craft and offered him formal training. It wasn't that uncommon for kids to be, you know, sworn to the Templars because they, like, graduate at 18 or whatever. You know, start them young in the church. His parents agreed because being a Templar is an honorable and respectable profession in Freldon, and just the, the Chantry world at large. And they also just wanted him to be happy. This is what he wanted to do. Cullen took to his formal Templar training like a duck to water. And when it came time to take his final vows at the age of 18, he was ready. He was ready to pledge his life in service to the Maker and take his first dose of lyrium that would bind him to the Templar order. That's right, kids. Here's your drugs. Swear yourself to God. He had finally achieved his dream. The dream that he held in his heart and soul for the past 10 years.
1: Addiction at 18. Here we go. Cullen was assigned to the Circle Tower at Kinlock under Knight Commander Gregor. If that name and that circle sounds familiar, it might be because you played a mage origin story in Dragon Age Origins. You actually meet a young... Roughly 19 year old Cullen, too. And if you played as a female mage, you can have a cute, awkward, flirty relationship with him. Cullen is straight, so he is only available to romance by a female human or elven inquisitor. Why he won't get with a Kunari inquisitor, I don't know, but he just likes humans and elves. Whatever. And your origins mage didn't actually get a romance with him, so don't worry, he's not cheating on the warden. That circle gets overrun by abominations and blood mages, so Colin's dream quickly became a nightmare. He is held captive by the blood mages for a significant enough time that he visibly looks malnourished and ill. Most of his scars from that period are invisible, however, as the blood mages used magic to try and get into his head. He suffers with nightmares and inquisition, but that's probably not the only symptom. Cullen has PTSD.
2: It was during this same time, when he was in Ferelden, that the blight in Ferelden happened And Cullen's parents didn't make it when it came time to flee. Another trauma. Once he was recovered, at least physically, from his ordeal in the Kinloch Circle Tower, he was sent abroad. You know, a new place might do him some good. He was sent to the Circle in Kirkwall, a city-state within the Free Marches, and reported to Knight Commander Meredith. (laughs) Nice. Meredith, she's not made the history books or anything. We don't know who that is. This is where Hawk meets Cullen during the events of Dragon Age 2. And Cullen does not have a good look in Dragon Age 2, actually. His fear and disgust towards mages only increases in the Kirkwall Circle and is displayed in a few missions throughout the second game. To the point that if you have Bethany, because you yourself are not a mage as Hawk, He will take Bethany to the Circle as a rogue apostate um, under certain conditions, like if you don't take her with you enough, so she's free to be captured. The Templars in Kirkwall are distrusted by many, with the local populace even helping to hide runaway mages due to the dark rumors surrounding Meredith and her supposed treatment of mages, but we know, of course, these are not rumors at all, and she's being controlled by the Red Lyrium idol. And uh, the Templars under her are encouraged to do awful things to the mages in their charge.
1: The years pass in Dragon Age 2 until 937 Dragon, when Cullen has really begun to question Meredith's actions and sanity. Despite his harsh view of mages, he has mellowed out somewhat with age and sees instead that Templars are supposed to protect mages and protect people from mages both sides of the coin meredith assumes everyone is a blood mage at this point and anders blows up the chantry blah 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 and the mage templar war is in full effect and yet another traumatic event has happened to colin He serves as interim knight commander after Meredith's defeat and restores order to Kirkwall, which is why Cassandra thought of him as a great candidate to serve the Inquisition in 940 Dragon when the breach opens up. And here we are in the third game. Cullen is 10 years older than when we last saw him. A new scar on his face and many in his heart. There's one thing he still has control over. And it's his decision to be a Templar at all.
3: Lyrium grants Templars our abilities, but it controls us as well. Those cut off suffer. Some go mad, others die. We have secured a reliable source of Lyrium for the Templars here. But I no longer take it. You stopped. When I joined the Inquisition, It's been months now. Cullen, if this can kill you... It hasn't yet. After what happened in Kirkwall, I couldn't. I will not be bound to the Order or that life any longer. Whatever the suffering, I accept it. But I would not put the Inquisition at risk. I've asked Cassandra to watch me. If my ability to lead is compromised, I will be relieved from duty. Are you in pain? I can endure it. Thank you for telling me. I respect what you're doing. Thank you, Inquisitor. The Inquisition's army must always take priority. Should anything happen, I will defer to Cassandra's judgment.
1: I can endure it. Sweet baby boy, come here and let me hug you. That line hurts my soul. This man's gone cold turkey off of lyrium. This is seriously an impressive thing, a thing worthy of great respect, and is doing it out of duty. Quitting any addiction is hard. Quitting something that eases your suffering? Quitting cold turkey something you have known for a majority of your life? Cullen, I stand for you, good sir. Now during the first part of the game in Haven, Cullen will say that he has seen the suffering that magic can inflict and has distrusted mages because of it, treated them badly because of it, but is now ashamed of that behavior and is trying to unlearn those biases. He does still think that mages need some kind of safeguard to protect the people and themselves from themselves, but he disagrees with the Templar order. He has been hinting at how separate he feels now from what he was once in a singular goal in life, to be a Templar. His last link to that life is Illyrium. Now that he serves the Inquisition, and while he says he will trust Cassandra's judgment, he ultimately doesn't thinking that he is too weak to perform his duties while he is going through withdrawal.
2: Cassandra says something to the Inquisitor about this that I think is both a shining moment of how wonderfully observant and clever Cassandra is, and how inspiring Cullen is with this decision to stop Lyrium. She says, Mages have made their suffering known, but Templars never have. They are bound to the order, mind and soul, with someone always holding their lyrium leash. Cullen has a chance to break that leash to prove to himself, and anyone who would follow suit, that it's possible. End quote. I think it's interesting that she says mind and soul, rather than the more standard body and soul. I wondered if it was because addiction really stems like, from the mind and soul, but really affects the body, Cullen is strong physically, of course, he's a soldier, he's a Templar, and the withdrawal symptoms really just affect his body, but Cullen's true strength is his mental fortitude. He's able to stop because of it. He's often represented by a lion. His helm was in the shape of a lion for all the promotional materials for the game. He wears that, like, mane fluff around his shoulders. That's like a lion's mane. His hair is golden like a lion's. But for me, I think his animal motif should really be a Mabari warhound, because they have all the same good things about the lion, like loyal and strength and dedicated, ferocious when needed. But mainly he protects. And he's Ferelden, through and through. And he's such a good boy.
1: He is such a good boy. (laughs) Cullen is an advisor to the Inquisitor, not a battle companion or party member. So like with Josephine, he only gets one tarot card throughout the game. His tarot card is the Knight of Swords, which sounds pretty on the nose for him. The knights in the tarot deck are all goal-oriented. Once they have their mind on something... They do it, but the Knight of Swords defers to his intellect over his brawn. He is highly driven, ambitious, and single-minded in pursuit of his goals. Sounds like Cullen to me. Uh, One of the pitfalls of the Knights of Swords is that he may pursue one goal so singularly that once he gets there... He realizes it might not actually be what he wants after all, or isn't what he thought it would be. So yeah, that definitely sounds like Cullen.
2: I agree. (laughs) Sounds like Cullen. And uh, even more so because, you know, the advisor's cards never change. So this one is his card the whole game. Visually, this card is just as stunning as all the rest. It features Cullen fully decked out in armor with the exception of his helm because we can't cover that face up. And he's wrapped, of course, in his fluffy cloak that he wears in the game. It's black and red and in his left hand, he holds a gleaming white sword. His right hand rests near a flagpole bearing a crimson banner, but the crest on the banner isn't visible. Whatever sigil may be on the banner is up for interpretation, but it is intentionally vague because Colin is someone who has vowed his service to a few banners already. First, the Templar Order, then the Inquisition, and something new, perhaps, once the breach is closed. His hand is actually not holding the flagpole either, so I think it shows that while he is the Knight of Swords, someone who is focused on a singular goal, this... Is also Cullen Who has been burned by that singularity before He's staring straight ahead His expression, one of resignation He's doing his duty And he has yet to really think about what that means But what he wants He started to think about what he wants Or I should say Who?
3: (laughs) It's a nice day What? It's... There was something you wished to discuss. I find myself thinking of you. More than... well, all the time, really. I I can't say I haven't wondered what it would be like. What's stopping you? You're the Inquisitor. We're at war, and you... I didn't think it was possible. And yet I'm still here. So you are. It seems too much to ask, but I want to. Commander. You wanted a copy of Sister Leliana's report. What? Sister Leliana's report? You wanted it delivered without delay. Or to your office? Right. If you need to... I'm sorry. That was um, really nice. That was what I wanted. Oh, good.
1: (laughs) Return of the Clam Jammer. Some rando runs up and tries to jam up our inky girl from getting her kiss nope not this time honey cullen gives this man a death glare and then does what we all want and kisses the ever-living shit out of the inquisitor yes please yes now We talked about this a little bit with Blackwall's romance, but Colin embodies the trope of the knight and the lady even more. Colin is pretty much the Theodos equivalent of a knight for most countries. Although the Chevalier overlay are literally knights because Chevalier is knight in French. And there's a hint of the forbidden when romancing Colin. He also calls you my lady, which is just perfect. Mm. Case in point.
3: There you are. Everyone's been looking for you. Things have calmed down for the moment. Are you all right? I'm just worn out. Tonight has been very long. For all of us. I'm glad it's over. I know it's foolish, but I was worried for you tonight may never have another chance like this so i must ask may i have this dance my lady of course i didn't know you could dance for you i'll try
2: okay so this scene obviously is so so cute so adorable i really do i really do love it but you know me i would be remiss if i the resident stick in the mud didn't mention that this is technically fraternization, okay? It's not as flamboyant here as it is in mass effect, where there's like a strict military hierarchy that we just you know, suspend our disbelief for. The Inquisition is its own sort of thing, but Cullen does technically answer to you, so there is a power imbalance happening, which methinks is only okay because it's a woman. Who's in charge, right? Which technically, no, but realistically, yes, I guess. And in here, the maladying and hesitancy isn't solely due to Cullen's chivalry and past traumas. But that does play a part, of course. While I'm here in some unpleasantness, let's get something else out of the way, too. Not everyone liked Cullen up until Inquisition. And you're very justified if you felt that way. In fact, if you played mage characters, you might really dislike him, especially from his behavior in Dragon Age 2. He displayed some fantastic racism in that game. If you don't remember, that's a trope about racism towards fantasy groups or races, not that it is fantastic to be racist. I wish they named it something else. You know, fantasy racism makes more sense to me, but whatever. Um, His actions have been governed by fear for years. Fear of mages, specifically. To the point that he assumes any mage is a blood mage and that the right of Tranquility should be doled out more often in Dragon Age 2. He has flaws. He's made mistakes. He's owned them, though. He faces it head-on, bravely, where now he can even fall in love with a mage, given the chance. It's a really impressive turnaround.
1: We see the start of this shift in Cullen at the tail end of Dragon Age 2, when he defies Knight Commander Meredith's order to execute the mages. He isn't so far gone in his fear and anger towards mages that he is willing to just kill them all. He has grown a lot in those years since, too. Cullen is a foil to Cassandra. Both are shaped and have a crisis of faith in game. But where Cassandra is strengthened by her faith in herself when she questions the Maker, Cullen relies on his faith in the Maker when he questions himself. He also begins to rely on the Inquisitor. His slowly budding romance as a sounding board, trusting her implicitly. Mage or not? But before we get to that, we need to take a quick mid-break to listen to sponsors of the show, hear some fun facts, thank our patrons, and debate on the status of vanilla. Mid-break dance. What are we dancing to? Does Cullen get the Winter Palace Waltz or does he get something funky?
2: There's this one scene in his romance where he's like busy doing stuff and he like looks at her from across the room and then it gets all flustered. So I like the thought of like her just doing some sort of crazy dance or really like like what's her name oh, in Mass Effect 2 Kelly where she does that like weird strip tease against the wall. The- Do that to distract <laughs> him. That'd be hilarious. <laughs> he could
1: be so flustered. The Inquisitor. Doing the Kelly wall dance to distract Cullen. Oh, my God. Okay. Yes. There we go. Wait, but you and I dance together into the mid-break. So who's Kelly and who's Cullen?
2: Um, I'll be Cullen because I can't dance. And also that would be my real reaction would be get flustered and be like, I don't know what's
1: happening. (laughs) (laughs) And I would be the one to dance on the wall. (laughs) Oh shit, okay, alright, that's that's the next Gen and V drunken dance. It's not a table jack dance anymore because I've been Ooh. there, done that. It'll be a Kelly Wall <laughs> dance. Fun facts, alright, Colin ate pickled eggs while he was suffering from lyrium withdrawals. Pickled eggs are commonly known folk remedy Feraldins used for most ailments. And ew.
2: OK, I like pickled eggs. My grandma always had a giant ass jar of them growing up, and I think they taste delicious. So I'm apparently for Ferelden. <laughs> um, OK, this one's cute. One of the banters between Cullen and Josephine when you're at the war table includes Cullen musing that he should, quote, calibrate the trebuchets, to which Josephine replies, again, how many times will you be doing that? Um, I guess the the wiki says this is likely a reference to Garrus, but we know it's a reference to Garrus.
1: Okay. Who else is calibrating what? Yeah, it's Garrus. It's absolutely our boy. Colin is mentioned a few times by the characters in the multiplayer mode of Inquisition. The alchemist observes that he smells like elderflower and elderflower is folk medicine for pain. So maybe it's because of his withdrawal symptoms.
2: I like how both the facts you had to read were folk medicine remedies from Ferelden. Right. <laughs> okay. Wait, um, I need to <clears throat> curb yeah. the giggling because this, this, this next fact is legitimately not fun. Okay. No. And if you've heard of it already, you're about to hear about it again. And if you haven't, you will be shooketh. Okay. You will be shooketh. The voice actor. For Cullen, we're not going to spend that much time on this because you can Google, but the voice actor for Cullen, well, his name is actually Jonathan Reese, and he's known as Greg Ellis professionally. He's been in a shit ton of things. Very impressive resume. Very disturbing past. He decided in 2020 to post a 40-minute video in character as Cullen complaining about him and, quote, his voice actor, as in himself, speaking in third person about himself, being victimized by cancel culture. One of the quotes from it is, quote, mobbing is social murder. And by definition, people cannot survive their own murder. And he didn't either. He has been canceled. He will never work with Bioware again because he, like, personally attacked people who worked at Bioware, like Mark Dara. He's also. You know, I'm not, I don't want to like, talk too much about it because he's real litigious, but um, if you want receipts, there is literally a Tumblr blog called Greg Ellis is Shitty, and you can look it up, and it has all the receipts. There's lots of things. So go look that up if you want to know. I don't think the video exists on his YouTube anymore, or that his YouTube exists, but you can probably find it if you were inclined to waste 40 minutes of your life.
1: Yeah, so it's not fun, but Colin, we still love you. And we are going to continue talking about you for the rest of the night. But first, I need to take a few little moments here. So I just learned earlier uh, this week that the new iOS 17 update affects your iTunes. If you use iTunes, make sure that you are still subscribed to the girls. And to like all of your favorite podcasts, because if you don't listen to an episode after two weeks, it unsubscribes you automatically from that podcast. So that can really dick over a lot of shows that put out only once a month, or maybe they're super topical. So you skip episodes pretty regularly. So make sure that you are still subscribed to all of your favorite shows. Okay. Now Spotify, Spotify, you're wonderful. (laughs) Actually, no, I kind of hate the new Spotify updates that they did. And it totally messed with the way that I make playlists. Uh, Because now you can't add and subtract like songs from a playlist every day. I don't know. It's a me thing. And I'm aware of that. But we have 163 amazing people out there who have given us at least four stars. I would like some more. Give me all the five star ratings on Spotify, please. And of course, we shout out our lovely, lovely patrons Toasty and Apollo, Becky and Daddy Bat Night, Mistheos and Muffiny Cake, Mackenzie and Wynn. Yay! We love you all so much. Truly, true love true (laughs) love true (laughs) love
2: thank you forever and always okay jen i normally ask you if you're ready for the sexy time obviously you always are but this time we aren't quite to the sexy times yet we have to get through a tough time together first. So for context, listener, this next clip comes after Cullen has been talking to the Inquisitor about his past traumas, like the time he was tortured by a demon, the time he watched an entire city burn because mages and templars were fighting, and now the world is ending and he doesn't feel strong enough in the depths of withdrawal to face that challenge.
3: I thought this would be better, that I would regain some control over my life, but these thoughts won't leave me. How many lives depend on our success? I swore myself to this cause. I will not give less to the Inquisition than I did to Chantry. I should be taking it. I should be taking it. This doesn't have to be about the Inquisition. Is this what you want? Uh, No. But these memories have always haunted me. If they become worse, if I... If I cannot endure this... You can. uh,
1: All right. If I cannot endure this... Talk about a crisis of faith... But here is that pivotal moment that makes this scene so much more impactful as a romance versus just as a normal scene between the Inquisitor and Cullen. The option to ask what he wants to do is the romance dialogue option. Otherwise, you can suggest or order him to continue taking it, or stop taking it. But it isn't framed as a decision that he is making for himself. You only get to let Colin choose if you love him. This is what we mean when we talk about romance's enriching games, and the experience of playing them. This scene is exceptionally better, knowing Cullen is doing this for himself. Rather than just simply following another order, going through another ordeal of torture because someone told him to.
2: Obviously, like me as a veteran, like I've known people like this with Colin. It's not like necessarily drug addicted, but like people who have to. Find who they are on their own because what they've been has been just one piece of a puzzle for so long that you were kind of forced in, you know. Like, there's an element of brainwashing and boot camp, just as I'm sure there is in Templar training. So, it feels a lot more personal, I guess, like being demilitarized and helping him through that. As someone who I was never militarized, let's be honest, my military bearing was the absolute worst, (laughs) but you know. I know people like this. Narratively, you really must tell Colin to stop taking Lyrium for him to be his best self, too. We're not going to go down those particular arcs if you tell him to keep taking it because they are really shitty endings for Colin, and we want a fairy tale ending. We actually could get that with Colin, unlike some people in Inquisition. <laughs> but before we get the and they lived happily ever after, but we do have a different kind of happy ending. The romance culmination scene is what we usually call it, but in this romance, this is really just the sex scene. The romance culminates a bit later. I agree.
1: This is just the sex scene breakdown.
3: There's always something more, isn't there? Wishing we were somewhere else. <laughs> I barely found time to get away before. This war won't last forever. When it started, I... well, I hadn't considered much beyond our survival. But things are different now. What do you mean? I find myself wondering what will happen after... When this is over. I, I want to move on. Not from you. I, I, I don't know what you... That is, if you... Cullen, do you need to ask? I suppose not. I want (gasps)
1: Mm. in his office a quiet, stolen moment. Oh, I love how sweet and tender these times can be. It starts with a moment of vulnerability, and then it turns to something more. The inquisitor leans against his desk, and a bottle of something falls off and shatters. But it doesn't shatter the moment. It is the spark that is needed to make Colin clear the rest of his desk more bottles and papers fly off as the two of you make passionate love on top of his wobbly desk the scene fades to black way too early and then we get a peek at the morning after
3: no. leave me <laughs> me bad dream they always are without lyrium they're worse I didn't mean to worry you you can let me worry about you a little <laughs> all right You too ah.
1: I'll talk about the first half of that clip in a second but for me there's nothing more glorious than waking up to a partner that looks and sounds fully satisfied there's something so good about that sigh at the end that's right babe I rocked your world last night, and you can bask in that afterglow all you want. I know it'll keep a smile on my face all day long. The fact that he is lying in bed, fully nude, and only the Inquisitor sitting on the bed, blocking the camera from the good goods, well, that helps too. The first part of that clip, though. That part is real. PTSD nightmares, night terrors, actions, and words done while asleep that you would never do while awake. Those are all real. Seeing Colin like this, I say thank you to all of those involved. Seeing someone as strong and resilient as Colin. At his most vulnerable, makes him more real and lets people be seen. Visually, he is fighting something off while saying, Leave me, leave me. We see his hands in the air. He is breathing heavy and it hurts my heart. The Inquisitor places her hand on his stomach to try and wake him and it takes a few moments whoever crafted this scene either has witnessed this in the real world or they did the right research when Colin first wakes up from the dream there is a raw honesty to him his eyes fly open to see which world is real am I back there? Were these last few years the dream? No. Thank the maker. I'm with her. He shuts his eyes again and explains that the lyrium kept the worst of the dreams at bay. But now he has to deal with the full brunt of his trauma. And this man is more worried about her than he is himself. I'll say it again. Romance and games brings more depth to the characters we already care so much about. Cullen Rutherford, you deserve a happy ending to your story.
2: He really does. The theme of the damage life can do and the trials of living with past trauma is a recurring theme in Dragon Age overall, but definitely this game. Each character is basically an ambassador to the plights of their represented race or group. Sarah is an extreme version of what it's like to live as an elf in a human city. Solas is an extreme version of what it's like to live as an elf clinging to their past culture. Vivienne is a mage who has decided to not only participate in the game the Chantry has forced all mages to play, but master it. Iron Bull is a Kunari who also isn't, one who illustrates the constant push-pull of abiding the Qun and also living inclusively and openly. Dorian is a Tavinter noble who also shirks those chains and that life. We don't get to see how these people really live normally, but we can listen to our companions and see what they have lived through to gain insight into what their lives are like. We haven't really had a chance in Dragon Age to view Templars through the sympathetic lens before Cullen in Inquisition. Even in Dragon Age 2, he was mostly your typical Templar. Even if you picked that subclass as a fighter, you didn't get to live in a circle and witness what being a Templar is like the same way that mage players got to in that origin story. Cullen is showing the human face behind the Templar shield the flawed yet worthy person who may not be just blindly following orders and joyfully hating mages.
1: I mentioned it a little bit already, but mage inquisitors who romance Cullen see more of this true shift in Cullen than non-mage players. After he's been encouraged to stop taking lyrium, Cullen will tell her this. The way that I saw mages... I'm not sure I would have cared about you. And the thought of that sickens me. Colin has finally evolved into a person with true empathy. He has done the work, and is still doing the work to earn forgiveness. From himself mainly, because a mage romancing him has probably already forgiven him. He is still loyal and devoted, but no longer... Obligated. Duty means that which is owed or due. He wasn't born owing the Chantry. His life simply because he had a desire to protect people. Albert Camus, the French philosopher, said this. I know of only one duty and that is to love.
3: Marry me what i mean will you Uh, uh, i had a plan and and it wasn't a dog but you were Uh, it doesn't matter i've thought of little else and i don't need a plan only to know if you would i would cullen i will you will People will notice the Inquisitor marrying her commander in the middle of the Exalted Council. It won't go over well. We know a few people who can keep things... secret. Just know... Everything feels like it was worth fighting for. It was. This is... This is the part where you make a promise. Oh, right. I swear unto the Maker and the Holy Andraste to love this woman the rest of my days. Well, <laughs> well, isn't this
2: just grand? You get to marry him and get a dog. I'm not bitter at all. <laughs> Romance and soulless. <laughs> I got everything I wanted, right? <laughs> oh, I should have romanced Colin. This is one vow that he will never break a duty he is happy to uphold. This is what I meant when I said happily ever after. This of course happens in the Trespasser DLC, and at the end, whether the Inquisition is disbanded or not, but only if he is no longer on Lyrium, Cullen and his new wife live together and continue doing, quote, good works on their own terms. End quote. If he wasn't romanced but was encouraged to stop taking lyrium, he opens up a sanctuary-slash-rehab for other Templars to stop taking lyrium and live in peace, if they so choose. This is an ending that really feels earned, given his journey through all three games. He started out a young, innocent, and naive Templar, wanting to do good. Believing in doing good, and was horribly wounded. His very spirit was crushed, and he learned a great fear. In Dragon Age 2, the fires of that fear were stoked, and he was encouraged to be rough and hateful towards the mages he had sworn to protect. But ultimately, his innate goodness won out. His conscience convinced him that Meredith was wrong. And in Inquisition, he is penitent, he is guilt ridden. Yet he still has hope for himself. It may be just a small ember, but he carries on. And if he's lucky, there's an Inquisitor there who sees that spark and feeds it too.
1: Okay. I think for sure you and I love Colin now. There are two girls out there two other girls out there who love him even more than we do. So tonight is a very, very special episode where we have two amazing guests coming on the show to talk about their love of Sir Cullen Rutherford.
4: Hi, 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 hi. Hello. Can you hear oh me? Oh my gosh, this is being recorded. I had no idea. <laughs>
0: yeah sure sure you didn't
2: all right you two cullen mansers introduce yourselves for the listeners
4: um i'm yuri yuri cat in the chat uh
0: i'm win win ftn
4: um i overdid it a little bit i started this bottle at the beginning of the episode
1: okay you apparently can't come on the show without being drunk do you remember how much you had for caden holy fuck
4: it's because it's the same as like karaoke i get nervous when i have to like open my mouth in front of people with words okay. coming out <laughs>
2: you're a singer
4: <laughs> i know but those are like rehearsed words and like who has a google documents file open not me oh yeah no. <laughs> for
1: her. okay so i totally fucking cried and i was holding back tears after talking about colin's ptsd and so i'm still like like my throat actually hurts because I didn't want to start bawling again. Oh. Um, so I kind of get it now. In the beginning, I think for me, and we'll get to the questions and all that stuff in a minute, but I kind of wanted to apologize to my girls because I was like, I just don't get it. I don't see it. And what it was is that not seeing his romance scenes only experiencing Cullen as somebody who could not romance him I couldn't even flirt with him because he wasn't interested in a kunari. I was like I don't get it guys yeah he's hot and the voice is delicious but he's just another dude like I'm married to the tall blonde white guy I don't need another one in my life
2: that's exactly how I felt I'm like I married the Cullen not the he's tall but I love him and <laughs> I'm like I I'm not a human in this game let, let me romance some like fantasy person you know like Cullen is so grounded and and human like which is what makes him great but he is very human with his flaws and all so I was just like oh, I don't want it but now I really think I should
4: have romanced him so <laughs> okay so like in fairness, confession time, I know I've told Avidus, I've played Inquisition three times. Um, two of those times, I've actually Romance Solace. So I'm only like a one-time <laughs> mancer but it was because my Inky is a Dalish mage. And so like from a role-playing standpoint, it felt like more natural for her to end up with solace but the whole time especially through my first playthrough i was going back and forth and i was like oh man i'm like i really want to romance Colin." i'm like but i feel like solace fits with my character better and then well we all know how it ends with solace and i regretted everything i was like just should have went through who for who i wanted <laughs> i had to play the whole game again like so i could romance Colin.
1: When? What about you? What's your origin story with Inquisition, and Colin? Um, so
0: I always kind of cheat myself and like look up romances before I start a game. <laughs> like, like I, you know, I played Dragon Age one and then Dragon Age two, and then I looked up the like the Dragon Age Inquisition romances, and I saw Colin. And I was like, Hey, Colin, look at you! <laughs> and then once you start flirting with them, I was like, Oh, he's actually really sweet. So I'm like, okay, I'm gonna like stick with this guy
1: that's fair fair enough and i think i was totally like i might have gone for Colin, but i fully knew going in that everybody in the entire world that knows me was like you need to ride the bull and then i was like okay i will go and ride the bull and then i rode the bull and there's no turning back for me um (laughs) but (laughs) yeah so but i
2: do think in an alternate universe because I remember it's Alistair, and like, I mean, Cullen's even, like, I also love me a a guy that needs a safe space, so I don't know why Cullen just didn't do it for me at first. I guess Solas seemed more damaged, so <laughs>
4: <laughs> I went Alistair, for him. Alistair's kind of a a unique choice for you, though. Yeah. Because you think- usually do go with, like, the alien races, like, in Mass Effect or the elf in everything else.
2: Yeah, I think because when when I played Inquisition, I was like 16, and it was just the, the right time, and Alistair felt the safest, because Severin was like... Oh, Origins, not Inquisition. Talking. Yeah, and Origins. He was just always like, I am so good at sex, girl. I will rock your world. And Little Virgin me was like, ew, sex! So, like, <laughs> Alistair, you know, was it. But, yeah, I don't, I don't know what I would do now if I played Origins, but I still have a soft spot for Alistair. And I really... I don't know, like I never even remembered that Colin was because I never played a Mage Origin and I didn't I mean I only played Dragon Age 2 once. So I had to really research about his stuff in the background. And I think like I think it's really almost like the canon way to romance him should be as a mage, I think, because it's just so much better. It's like the full 360 or 180, I guess. We don't want him three sixty.
4: <laughs> no. <laughs> no unless he's going 360 like back to origins he was adorable at the beginning of origins well that's the thing is like he he says
2: when you rescue him in origins um, from the circle tower when he's been held prisoner and tortured and stuff he he said to think I used to think we were too hard on you like the experiences that he went through taught him oh we should just fear mages but his instinct was this is wrong. Like mages shouldn't be kept like this. Like he, who he is, is just very good, you know? And he had to like unlearn from his bad experiences and bad mentorship.
4: Cause Meredith's probably the worst person to take Templar advice from. Well, and she leaned into his trauma. Like she knew that he had those problems and like, because she was so distrustful of mages and was so about like trying to make them all tranquil and all this stuff. Like she fed into those fears. And that's that's 100 percent why Colin went through the ranks so quickly under her tutelage and everything. And he even mentions at one point that um, in Inquisition that there were things that she hid from him because she knew that she could only push it so far. But she totally did take advantage of his trauma. And yeah, it was just she's so gross. I hate her. (laughs) All
1: right i guess the big question is is that we discussed a lot of things about colin today did you guys learn anything new
4: yeah i didn't know that he ate pickled eggs
0: when uh no i didn't i didn't learn anything new. i <laughs> wait What did you guys talk about pickled eggs <laughs>
1: yeah it was in the mid break
0: oh okay okay i was like what the heck <laughs>
2: He allegedly eats pickled eggs because it's like a Ferelden folk medicine for withdrawal or like pain. I don't know. What did we say? Pain management. management. was Pain. Yeah, I think oh, it was okay. pain. Okay, well, I don't know how they can help you with pain, but well, whatever. So
1: when I was reading it, it was more of like, oh, it's a distraction thing. Uh, because it, when you're coming down off of drugs, you Not suck on right. heart. Huh? well no 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 like Like, when you're coming down that
2: bad that you're like wow i'm so disgusted i don't feel in pain anymore
1: (laughs) no as in like when you're coming down off of drugs and going through withdrawals you suck on hard candy and just the sensation in your mouth and the texture and the taste and the feel of it it's something for your brain to focus on oh okay yeah
4: Yeah. It was something like a pickled egg with the flavor being so intense, I could see it doing yeah. that more.
2: I just imagine him having this giant jar of pickled egg like, <laughs> and constantly he's, he's
4: eating. He's all like <laughs> fucking Gaston. Yeah.
1: <laughs> Colin is a Gaston. Except for, well, I mean, physically. I, um, no. I was
4: like, wait, take that back. No, I, yeah, no, I take it back. I completely take it back. <laughs> um. So because like I said, I'm a dork and I have this... um google documents file
1: and i started sorry uh, my freak out was because i just pictured it physically like colin wearing a gaston cosplay and it cracked me up
4: see i was just meaning like him throwing the eggs in the air <laughs> was, yeah like, catching. <laughs> yeah but um there is a really amazing quote from blackball about colin at one point when you're talking to him and he, you guys were talking about like the council the and everything, and uh, your counselors. And he says, he's got the look of a man who has been through too much. He's seen the best and worst of humanity, and I think he still tr- struggles with where that leads him. And I feel like it's the best freaking description of anybody, or like that anybody makes of Colin, except for maybe Sarah with her cultly woolly comments after you start romancing him. <laughs> But, I mean, if anybody could relate to Colin, it would be Blackwall. Or Samson. He was basically the mirror of what Colin could have become.
1: Samson, for sure. Um, I'm still mad at Blackwall for lying about being Grey Warden. Yeah. So.
4: But mm-hmm. if anybody knows about going through some shit and like feeling regret over choices that he made, like it's it's Blackwall.
0: Or Tom Rainier.
4: Yeah. As it were. I think I think the biggest
2: guilt that usually is shown in Dragon Age anyway, but is like not only the choices they made or the things they did, but the things they didn't do. You know? Like Blackwall's like, oh, I wish I didn't lie about my entire life. Or, (laughs) you know, like, but also I wish I had gone with my men. Like, he didn't. He ran away. So, and then Cullen is just, I think, feels like he has to pay for all of the bad things he did. Because he was there in Kirkwall for a long time. Him being in Inquisition is like the first time he goes back to Ferelden since he was at the kinlock tower circle tower and that was 10 years ago you know like that was during the blight in 930 dragon so he that's i think another key part about meredith's manipulation of him with his age it's like when he showed up there he was 19 or 20 he was so young and now he's roughly 30 and it's just sad like what he's gone through as such a young person which is why i think His story kind of mirrors a lot of military people's experience because that's the same thing. They get sent somewhere to do bad things when they are babies still. Right. And they come back and have to deal with it all on their own, basically.
4: Or you get somebody like Meredith who takes advantage of it. I was going to say, you guys uh, actually skipped that date that he takes the Inquisitor on uh, back to Ferelden. And he talks about how he hadn't been there. For ten years, and he talks about the coin that his brother gave him, and how he wasn't supposed to keep it, the but lucky. he did anyway.
1: Yeah. I know. All right. You have
4: <laughs> the freaking coin. I have it. Yeah, it's Colin's coin. Wow. <laughs> like I, I super Do You love.
2: have. Well, you have Colin's coin. when no, I don't have any march <laughs> <laughs> You only hold him in your heart.
4: <laughs> I, well, I will say my Jake husband fan. drew the line when I tried to uh, make Colin, like, a permanent uh, bed fixture, like, to snuggle with at night. He's all, no, 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 no.
2: <laughs> <laughs> Garris is allowed, but not Colin.
4: Garris is allowed for decoration during the day, but he has to be taking him off at night.
1: <laughs> when did you, uh, the, the lucky coin scene... How did that one make you feel? Because I know that we didn't include it, but it was like we wanted to give extra time for the interview at the end because we knew that we could definitely talk a lot about it. And that one was just like, it's important, but not very character develop I I don't know.
0: Yeah, I think it was more just like revealing like a little bit about his background and um, life before being a Templar, which is very sweet um i think it was just served as like a bonding moment between the inquisitor and him but it was nice it was very cute you could like i like went through the, all the iterations like reloading and like uh seeing which one played out the best and i think i like the the humorous route the the best because he'd be like a little like you could rib him, rib him a little bit
1: oh i like that um yeah being the it's not burn, um, but the roasting couple. I could see mm-hmm. <laughs> eventually Colin getting to the point where he could be a good partner in that, but he'd really have to trust you first in mm-hmm. order to just,
2: it like opens him up more because he's usually just so serious and and doesn't laugh. So I think it's just a nice way to get him to open up humor is easy for that. You know, it feels safe. So I think that's I think that's nice. They included that option.
4: I mean, Do what we, was that guy's name at the beginning from the chantry? Was it Roderick? Hmm. Yeah. I mean, he gets some pretty good sick burns in Roderick, so I think I think he could be good at being like the roasting couple.
1: Do we ever yeah. hear Cullen laugh?
4: All the time. Yeah. Oh,
2: okay. yeah, he does. He he. Oh, he's got a little sexy giggle that goes on during romance scenes. <laughs> So <laughs> that's, uh, that's, I, I wouldn't say that's like laughing, but you hear it, I'll, I'll laugh. Um, okay. Also, the, Just the Halibut brought up the um, scene towards the end of the game before your final fight with Corypheus where you come uh, to him praying mm-hmm. and like how that scene is just such a good romantic scene because it doesn't have any flirting, physical affection or sex, but it's so intimate that scene like they're holding each other's hands like looking in each other's eyes talking openly about how scared they are to lose one another to lose the whole thing to to lose to Corypheus you know I when I saw that scene I was like I am I'm a changed woman. Like, I need to romance him. This is beautiful. Like, because that's another thing, like, we talked a little bit about that with Cassandra, with the religious aspect, because there's not very many devout religious characters in Dragon Age that are your companions and that are not also horrible and insufferable because a lot of the Chantry people are just dickwads. And, And Cassandra and Cullen are both, like, the worst parts of the Chantry for a lot of people, you know, especially Cullen as a Templar, so... I mean, I just thought it was really nice to see him using his faith the way that it's intended to be used, which is to strengthen yourself over anything. It's not for others. It's for you. It's personal.
4: Well, and I was actually going to bring that scene up, too, because I love that if you let him give you the lucky coin, you can actually reference it again at that point. And I thought it was so cute that that was something that happened so early on. To be brought back at that point, that's just good writing when, you know, something has like kind of a theme and it wasn't just a one-off like situation because when he says that he's worried about her, you have like the little star icon that appears as like a special thing that you can say. And she says something like, oh, but you don't have to worry because I have luck on my side, remember? Mm -hmm. And he even tells her, he's like, that is not as comforting as I had hoped it would be. I
1: was like, oh, he's so cute. Wayne, what's the number one reason that you love this man? Oh, gosh. I think that he's um, very sweet
0: and becomes very vulnerable with you and and sharing his um, struggles and you, you as the Inquisitor supporting him through that. And hopefully, telling him to stop taking Lyrium, or not not to take Lyrium again, you know. Um, yeah, yeah. That's that's a things like that is very tough to go through in real life. So, like, you know, it's it was. I think it was represented pretty well in the game.
1: I agree. The addiction part of it is definitely done very well, and then the PTSD flashbacks are done amazingly. His You know, normally when we see, and especially for male characters, when we see them get angry and physically lashing out, most of the time it's like swinging a sword or throwing things or some form or like a mage will like throw a fireball at something and just be angry and mad. Cullen's destructive behavior almost feels very internalized like the bookshelves that he has set up in his office are what gets the damage he is holding on to it and then he you know bangs it with his hand in the anger and frustration and pain of it all and not once did I ever feel like even if that anger were to turn somewhere else, he would never turn it towards the Inquisitor. He would never be angry and violent towards her. So, I, I, I would
4: agree with that. Even though he did almost hit her when he threw whatever he threw at the door <laughs> when he didn't realize she was coming in.
1: Yeah. Oh, his box of lyrium? Yeah. Yeah, how he oh, was looking. Yeah. <laughs>
4: I just remember shattering was- against <laughs> the like door game
2: yeah. as she opened the door. I, ha- I have to say, I think Cullen well, okay, <clears throat> sorry. So Cullen's like overall story arc between the three games, super satisfying, super complete, and it's impressive because he was written by three different people each game, and all three were women, which I think it really shows, because that's we write what we know what we want. <laughs> Like that's why half the more than half romance novels are women. And you read about that. A lot of them usually involve some kind of vulnerability like this. I think his has done extremely well. Um, and everyone can take a page from Cullen. Like, it's just great. I just love the eye contact, the the caressing of the face that he does a lot. He's so gentle and sweet and good. And we could go all night saying that. <laughs> I think Yeah.
4: Um, And I do think it's interesting that he's one of only two characters that I can think of for sure. And a a third one, sort of, that actually appears canonically in all three games, regardless of the choices that you make. Um, I know that you can get cameos from everybody if you play it in a certain way. But I know Samson, you'll run into him in all three games, regardless of how you do things. Um, Colin, you will as well. Leliana, I think, falls into that because mm-hmm. she has the flashbacks. But if you're like someone who I'm related to, you can totally miss her and loathering entirely. And she drowns and you don't ever see
1: her. Yeah. So. <laughs> oh, sister. Yeah.
4: <laughs> I love that she's in the chat. What? what? <laughs> <laughs> that can happen. But yeah, so there there aren't... It's not like Mass Effect where the characters like carry over and you get to have that growth. Colin's kind of a unique character in that regard. Yeah. I think it's really cool that they did that.
1: Oh, wait, and, and Mythal. She's in all three. Oh, uh, yeah. Yes, she is.
2: Yeah. Just forget because she looked like an old hag in Dragon Age Origins and she got a glow up
1: yeah <laughs> Major club. which is so funny because like i had only played origins and v kept going on about how pretty and gorgeous mythal was and was like you know it's she's so such a pretty character and i absolutely adore her and i'm like are my graphics really that fucking shitty that or not not that you adored her or anything like that but something about the like, dress I don't adore Flemeth. let's get that straight i think it was something about the outfit that she dare. was wearing the the outfit that she wears oh, yeah, in drawing yeah. yeah and i was like my graphics must have just been really shitty when i was playing through origins cuz that bitch is ugly <laughs> Oh, okay. I know that we could talk all night about how amazing Colin is, but I think we do need to wrap it up a little bit. And I guess, hmm. I don't know. Is there any, well, I think we've kind of hit all of our questions, you know, the key factors that we missed. We did miss a couple of the dates and the little moments that you have together. Um, you guys both said that, well, when picked him on her first playthrough, because she looked him up online first. I mean, you're a good (laughs) Google stalker. you FBI agent. I understand. Uh, you romance solace first which again was state and uh, i guess Let's, i kind of understand listen, we're, it. we're
2: gonna we're gonna talk about the pros and cons next week of solace <laughs> <laughs> he's got yes. some pros for sure but yeah ultimately
4: if you want to live happily ever after you should romance cullen <laughs> well oh. and i did play a mage you know and so that was definitely part of my hesitance but actually playing a mage and romancing Colin, i found that i really loved it because she does straight up ask him when when you're starting the romance she asks him i have it typed out where she's uh could you ever you know or could you ever trust me as a mage or could you care for a mage and she's like because i care for you and um and she's like could you ever think of me as more he's all i could i mean i do and what i might say in this situation and she's just like a mess about it and i love it i love it so much i love his awkwardness is my favorite part about it
0: that's really cute because my first playthrough i played as like a, a reaver so i didn't get that dialogue
4: <sighs> see and i love that and then like especially as a dalish person you ask him later too uh does it bother you that i'm dalish and he says you know i hadn't considered what it might mean to you because Uh, elves weren't treated differently in the circles that I served he's like does it bother you and she's like well no as long as you're serious and you know he's like I am if I seem unsure it's not that it's because you know and I think everybody gets that you know that I haven't wanted anyone in my life for a long time but it's really cute the way
1: it happens I'm so glad that you brought that up because when I heard when I was listening to it uh, and watching the romance video I was like this is my Garrus moment This is the, well, I'm Turian and you're human. Is that going to cause issues? And they were just like, I think we just kind of both really dig each other and want this to work regardless of our race, species. I don't know. (laughs)
4: We'll check the vids. I'm sure we'll find something. Yeah. I love that. (laughs) I will say
2: that was my one. Oh, sorry. (laughs) I was going to say the mage thing, like it comes up again later when you can ask him directly, like, what would you do if I become an abomination? And he he doesn't want to answer. Like, he's super uncomfortable and horrified at the thought. Whereas if you flirt with him as the Amel or Serana um, mage woman character in Origins... He would say, like, oh, well, I have to do my duty, you know, like, I would have to kill you. (laughs) I don't want to, but, like, he's totally turned the page on that, too, where he's, like, I'm not only no longer a Templar, but I don't even know if I could kill an abomination if it was you, right? Like, I don't even know if I could do that, where before he definitely would have, wouldn't have hesitated,
4: and I will say, though, as much as I loved Trespasser and then like getting engaged and I love the proposal, I thought it was really weird that they got married right then and there. I would have been perfectly happy with them, like her accepting the proposal and planning on getting married and then them talking about it and like the little epilogue thing afterwards. And then they got married. It's like, oh, cool. I didn't need it to happen right then like oh he proposed I found this dress that fits me perfectly we're gonna do this right now <laughs> I thought that was really weird.
0: Yeah I did think that was kind of odd.
2: <laughs> they leaned really hard into the like oh he's the the happily ever after. Okay let's just let's just do it. Not only that, you get a dog too <laughs>
4: <laughs> That yeah, actually didn't bother me so much because it actually bothered me that the whole game that there was no Mabari. Yes. I don't
2: understand why you create this amazing, awesome like dog breed and like, entrench us in Ferelden culture throughout Dragon Age Origins and then you know, take it away forever. Like You mm. never see a Mabari again unless you romance Colin in <laughs> Trespasser, <laughs> which sucks because they're cool and I want another Mabari. And now we're probably not going to get one either and Dad because we're going to be super far away from Ferelden. Yeah.
4: Whatever. It's fine. <laughs> I know. But, like, it almost feels like they can't totally... I don't know. There has to be at least references to the other characters because Solas is so intertwined with the Inquisition. Like, it feels like something has to happen there. So maybe maybe we'll see. Well, I guess yep, I don't know how nope, long I'm I am calling list.
1: that right here. We are not going to go into dad <laughs> theory. We are not going to go into dad hype. We are not traveling down that path because... We've already been at this for an hour and a half, ladies, and yeah. so it's time for us to wrap it up. Mm. <laughs> no more dad. Okay. Mm. So, before we officially wrap the show for the night, when is is there anything that you want to shout out or plug? Uh, Nope. Thanks for having me. Always a delight. Or any last little final thoughts on Colin?
0: Um, I did like Uh, when you're doing pranks with sarah and like after you romance him like and he you talk about like doing something to the desk and he's and the inquisitor is like yeah that's a sturdy desk or something like that
3: (laughs) yes
1: uh that's why uh i made reference to the wobbly desk because that's what you and sarah do is you make it wobbly oh it's adorable (laughs) i love that thank you oh yuri what you got
4: uh, you know, just all the terminal desk stuff. If you guys haven't seen the Marionette music video, please go check it out. We're over 16,000 views now, which is pretty exciting. D- uh, we are starting work on our first full length album, which we're hoping will be out at this time next year, but we will be releasing some singles over the
1: next couple of months. So look out for that as well. If you have not heard Yuri singing the Beatles, you have not lived. And if you haven't heard Wynne singing, oh, God, what's the Jay-Z song
0: in Linkin Park? <laughs> Which one? What I've Done? Yes, What I've Done. Wait, wait no, it's, a. Uh, oh, my God. Uh, no, 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 it's like the...
1: Encore. Mashup. Encore. Encore, yeah, yeah, yeah. Encore, yeah. yeah. That's my favorite when a first song is encore. <laughs> okay,
2: we need karaoke to happen again soon. Yeah. <laughs> we rent rented on the 31st that's right we do oh, oh okay. shit i forgot i'm excited yeah
4: i always
1: forget things i'm excited about too and then you get to get, get re-excited right. about them all over again
2: yes Yay. It's like finding a 20 bill in your pocket or something you're like hey that's happened to me one time and that was a good day
4: or like me that remembering that i get to play gail's origin now.
1: <laughs> oh. <laughs> all right If you like what you are hearing, please be sure to leave a review on iTunes after double checking that you are still following and subscribed to all of your favorite podcasts and on Spotify. Thank you so much. You can now find me on the Cyberpunk Lorecast with my co-host Toasty, where we explore the foundations of the past, the state of Night City today, and the news of the future for all things cyberpunk. Also check out Scyther Audio's newest fan made production, The Avengers, the Audio Drama, where you can hear me and quite a few of our friends. You can also reach out to me in our Two Girls One Ship channel on the Robots Radio Discord and come give us a follow on all the social medias and on patreon.com slash two girls oneship. Our theme music was composed by the ever-talented Pipeman Studios and our artwork was designed by fellow Cullen Mancer and esteemed artist, Let's Not. Links are in the description.
2: I feel like everyone's a Cullen Mancer but me.
1: <laughs> I'm on the
2: Robots Radio Discord as well, and in our own Two Girls, One Ship Discord server, where we nerd out on all our favorite CGI significant others. Be sure to check out our live streams on Twitch on Fridays at 10.30pm Eastern Time, 7.30pm Pacific Time. Our podcast episodes release on Mondays because you need at least one good thing on a Monday.
1: All right. Now, everybody join in. So thanks for listening. And remember, beauty is of right. the, the, the controller. controller. <laughs> Yay.
2: Yay. <laughs> <laughs> So come and listen on Spotify, Apple, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts. And always remember...
3: Swooping.